When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of TFL Talk, and we've got some great talk, right Tommy? We do, yeah, this is going to be a fun one because we are talking about the best budget overlanders and the worst budget overlanders. What does budget mean? Well, budget, we're going to talk about two tiers, sub $5,000 and sub $10,000 for a good running, good example of a really cool vehicle that you can use to go explore the backcountry. And uh, just keep in mind, guys, we've probably owned many of these (laughs) just because over the years we've purchased a lot of vehicles and taken most of them off-road. So while Tommy says overlanding, you could also substitute off-roading, but... uh, Overlanding is hip and trendy, so we figured it would get more interest. <laughs> that's right, yes, that's the cool thing to be doing right now. And by the way, if you hear any clicks or groans or barks, it's our uh, TFL dog, Blaze, who is here among us chewing on our set. Yeah, he is. He's chewing on a wooden part of our set, so I do apologize for that in advance, but should we hop into the list? Yeah, right after the open. Congratulations, you have now tuned into TFL Talk, where we discuss everything automotive, whether it's cars or trucks. This is the one place where you can be sure to get independent and honest reviews. Let's get back to the show right now. All right, Tommy, so we're doing two tiers, right? We're doing under $5,000 and under $10,000, and we'll start with the under $5,000 ones. Yeah, that's right, because you can get a surprising amount of off-roader for a small amount of money. Now, the cool thing is we've owned many of these vehicles because... Well, because uh, we purchased way too many vehicles for overlanding and off-roading. So let's start with the one I'm looking at right now, which is the old Jeep Cherokee. Not the new one, but the old one. The XJ. Right. Yeah, they sold millions of them. They're the perfect square Jeeps with the square headlights. I think they were built from like 84 through 2001. And they are really good vehicles because super easy to modify, really, really reliable, and you can get them for pretty cheap, although that is quickly changing. Yeah, so the one we had, which is the one I'm looking at here, uh, we bought, which was, uh, you know, lucky find on Craigslist. It was a one-owner car. It was absolutely pristine. And uh, you sold it on Bring a Trailer for, I think, like, what, almost $10,000. Yes, way too much money, um, in my opinion. I bought it for, like, $3,500, which is like what, what I think they're worth. But there's a lot of people that are nostalgic now for clean, low-mileage XJs. And the, uh, the ones in really original stock and good condition can go for a surprising amount of money. Yeah, and by the way, if you see us looking around, it's because we've got our podcast uh, dog here, Blaze the Wonder Dog, who's now licking the uh, carpet. So uh, he's hanging out with us today <laughs> while we're uh, filming and uh, recording this. So let's talk about the XJ and why it's so popular. First of all, uh, I think it's just incredibly simple uh, and easy to mod. 
Yes, exactly. So solid axles, yep. um, but there's a lot of companies that build a lot of aftermarket components for them. So if you want to do lift kits or bumpers or really change around the overall look of the thing, you can make, make all that happen for not a lot of money. The second reason they're good, um, they're kind of the perfect size. So by modern day standards, they're pretty small, but because they're a perfect box, you can fit a lot of stuff in them. Yeah, and they've got actually a lot of capability, uh, but we'll get to that in a second. The other third reason why they're perfect is uh, the one with the uh, straight six, to, uh, the legendary straight six, right, four liter, uh, is a vehicle uh, that has, I would think, one of the what, top 10 power plants of all times mm. in terms of like reliability. We don't often think of old Jeeps as being something that you can depend yeah. on, but the four liters, which they built for decades and decades, they're thirsty, but they go forever. Very simple engine. You got fuel injection, you got a heck of a lot of steel and iron in them, but they're overbuilt, they're relatively understressed. They make pretty decent horsepower depending on the year. You can look at like 190 horsepower, but typically over 200 pound-feet of torque, and they just keep going. Uh, make that to the transmissions, which were very good. You could get the manual transmission or the um, AX4, the automatic, which is the one I had. Also very stout transmission. I think there were a couple years there where they went to the Peugeot transmission, which was made out of Swiss cheese, so do your research into that. But for the most part, there's not a lot to break on them. Rust can be an issue, uh, but I love them. They're great. They're great vehicles. Yeah, and they built them for a long time, so, you know, kind of the, the holy grail of the XJ would be the two-door uh, manual. Those are uh, hard to find, but let's face it, if you're building out an overlanding rig, you don't need a two-door manual. You no. probably want the four-door automatic. Um, and I, I think the, the, the biggest thing, you, and you touched upon it, Tommy, is there's just so much aftermarket support for these vehicles. Uh, and finally, what makes them, I think, ideal as a budget off-roader is because, remember when, when, when we had to replace the headlight on yours? Yeah, it was like nine bucks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, O'Reilly's nine dollars. It, it would be the exact opposite of like a G wagon, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's. There's nothing on that car that's going to cost you more than you know a, a healthy uh, dinner with you and you know a loved one. Really, it's it's that inexpensive to maintain and fix. And parts are plentiful. Aftermarket support is plentiful. And let's face it, they're badass. They like when you when you lift them and you you know you kind of do them up, they look really good. I think part of the magic of the XJ, especially like the ones from the early to the mid 90s is my favorite sweet spot, is they had the kind of old world charm where they felt very heavy and overbuilt and the interiors had so many cool switches and they had the three spoke steering wheel, but they were modern enough to have um, technologies like fuel injection and ABS, right, and three point seat belts. And they, they are very usable in modern day roads. They don't feel like an antique, unlike the older Grand Wagoneers, Right, the, or the SJ model full-size Jeeps, which are now carbureted and you know just kind of a little bit antiquated. The Cherokees are still very modern uh, in terms of what you need to get you down the trail, and they're modern enough to be reliable. Uh, couple that with a good four-wheel drive system, and they'll go pretty much anywhere and do anything that you need them to. Um, so for under 5K, which is kind of admittedly becoming harder now, uh, it used to be you could pick these up in good condition for like two or three k. A lot, a lot of people turn them into hardcore rock crawlers. Yeah, then they were thrown away. So it, it, this is kind of borderline five k. You can still do them, but they're they're solid, solid vehicles. So the other one we should talk about. Well, before we get to the other one, mm -hmm. let me just uh, talk about one last thing. So they do have you know four wheel drive. They do have a low range transfer case, which is what you want. But if you're thinking about like turning into a serious you know, let's talk off roader now. They don't have a locking diff. Right, but that's so easy to do. Yeah. On a on a Cherokee, I mean, it's it's almost like a non-point because it's a 
throw throw like a, a lunchbox or some kind of true track in the back. Or if you want to go serious, do like an air ARB, right? Yeah. Air lockers from ARB. I mean, that is getting expensive, but yeah, there's this plethora of different uh, lockers you could throw into them that are easy to do. And, and the other thing is most mechanics know how to work on them. Yeah, super easy to work on. So the other vehicle in that same realm, also made by Jeep, which you can have for under 5K, which is kind of an interesting choice, is the uh, the Grand Cherokee. So the first generation, and then most importantly, the second generation Grand Cherokees are pretty good. Yeah, what are the internal designation? So the first one was called the ZJ. Yep. So that was 90 through 99. And then the next generation was WJ. Uh, another vehicle that had the legendary 4-liter straight 6. You could get different engines, but you kind of want to stick to the 4-liters. I think they were the best. Uh, the ZJ, which is kind of the cooler one design-wise, the first generation had really bad automatic transmission issues. So you want to find a manual, or there's like one year where they use the AW4. Um, the second generation is much more sorted, and I think the WJ for well under 5K could pick up a good one. Probably the best in uh, this list in some ways. You know, I disagree. I like the Cherokee better. I just think uh, the problem with the uh, Grand Cherokees is, you know, they, um, they've got a lot of body cladding uh, that is, uh, you know, hard to work around. Uh, and the aftermarket support for them isn't as good as for the Cherokees. The Cherokee's kind of the Swiss army knife of the Jeep community. So, you know, you can put anything on it. It's simple. You can see it, right? You can see how easy it is to remove the front bumper. There's a lot of like style that went into the Grand Cherokee. And so while there is aftermarket support for them, uh, it's a little bit more expensive. It's a little bit harder to do uh, than, than a Cherokee. But yeah, they're also great. Now, people out there might be wondering, why not a Wrangler? Well, the Wranglers are just for traveling long distances off-road. They're just a little compromised, very upright, very vertical. Well, first of all, the only ones that come under 5,000 potentially are maybe the square headlight ones. The YJs. Right? The yeah, YJ. I mean, the, the new ones are fine. The new yeah. ones are pretty comfy and squishy. But the old ones, like the YJs, which you could afford, yeah. maybe under 10K, like a TJ. It's going to be a two-door, so it's not going to have any room. Most of them are going to be two-doors unless you get a, like an 08 uh, Unlimited. But um, I think the WJ one... Uh, you know, when the Grand Cherokee kind of got like roly-poly, yeah. they kind of lost some of the cool, but they're really, really good vehicles. Uh, they can also have the 4-liter. They fixed a lot of the transmission issues on the early ones. A uh, bunch of different four-wheel drive systems, including um, Quadra Drive, I think, which had the, the crazy limited slips that were really sophisticated. Yeah, I mean, that would be kind of my choice. I like them a little bit more for purpose-built off-roading than... I like them more for purpose-built overlanding than the Cherokees because they're more comfortable. You slipped up there, Tommy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> purpose-built off-roading gets it's the fine. Cherokee. Look, look the, dude, I mean, the difference between overlanding and off-roading is like generational, right? I know. Our, my generation, it's like, hey, we're going to go off-roading. Your generation is like, hey, I'm going to go overlanding. And, and I'm not sure there's a hell of a lot of difference. I mean, in it's my all, head... It's all camping. In, in my head, I built it up as like off-roading is let's see if we can get up that boulder yeah. or overlanding. Like, I know. Let's see if we can get 500 miles that direction and not hit a road. Right, and like your, your grandparents' generation, it would have been like, hey, let's get in the station wagon and go camping, right? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's true. But yeah, the roly-poly, this one, right? Yeah, that one, yeah. yeah. They're really good. The WJs are excellent. So that would be kind of my choice. So what about the Jeeps that you shouldn't buy? There's a couple of them. Um, the Patriot, yeah. not a great vehicle. No. That's basically a little car yeah. with a slight lift and four-wheel drive. The, Renegade, the new Renegade, too small. The Renegade is a little bit too small. Yeah. The uh, Compass, yeah, not great. Not great. Stay away from it. That's pretty much straight to rent a car. <laughs> yeah, especially <laughs> the old one was pretty rubbish. Yeah. And the surprisingly one, one that we were going to buy until you drove and hated, do you remember what that was? No, I'm, I'm seeing a dog chew up your jacket there. So just, oh, you might lazy. Want, you might want to, yeah. There you what go. was the one you drove and hated? What was the one I drove and hated? A Jeep that I drove and hated? I hated it. 
You uh, were looking for one for like a month. You drove. Oh, it. oh, the commander. God, yeah, the dude, commander. stay away from the commander. That is that is the uh, probably the quintessential mall crawler. You know, if you want a mall crawler, get the commander. But they can be pretty good off road, though. Oh, I hated that one. Why did you hate it so much? Uh, it was fussy. I mean, it, the nice thing with the commander is it it does have that boxy upright and it has a lot of room, uh, but uh, they weren't built very well. I mean, if you're talking about classic overlanding, you want something that is going to stay together and not break down. These things felt like it, they were screwed together with, uh, you know, a hope and a prayer. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, yeah, I, you know, it was much, it was like, it was like their attempt to, to, to kind of recapture the Grand Wagon here because, you know, you had these really cool like dual sunroofs that they had, you know, that third row seat had all this convenience and, and you could actually get them, if you got the Overland one, I think it was the Overland model, you could get it with the Hemi and it was very, uh, it was very posh. Not exactly, you know, the, the thing I would take for uh, going around the world. This one's towing a seaplane in this advertising brochure. And the problem is they're also not under 5,000. Really, the only one out of all these that's under 5K is the Cherokee. A Grand Cherokee. Maybe, but if... I actually think the Cherokee now is more expensive than the Grand Cherokee because people are wanting them and you, no one wants a Grand could, Cherokee. You could pretend... The problem is if you find... you could. It depends. Like here in Colorado, Cherokees are super rare. Not, good Cherokees are plentiful, but they're getting expensive because people want them. Um, people know what they are, but in other places in the country, they're still pretty affordable. The problem with Grand uh, Cherokees is for under $5,000, you're going to end up buying a basket case. I don't think so. Yeah. No, I've been looking at the WJs, yeah. the early 2000s. You can get a really good one for like four and a half. Not, not a Hemi, if you want the Hemi. They didn't do Hemis in that well, era. They, yeah. they were just uh, the straight six. You're thinking of the next gen. So you're thinking of the WK, right, the which w is the right. one my aunt had. Right. Uh, that was the one that... With the headlights that kind of... Yeah, they had like the yeah. little bulge and yeah. they had the, yeah. the big the yeah. V8s. Those are a little bit more expensive. But yeah. the WJ, the one that every high schooler on uh, this side of the Mississippi drives, those ones are still really cheap. All right. All right. Well, let's, let's, let's get off of Jeep. What else you got on your list? Okay. Let's go to um, Toyota. Okay. Uh, you can't get any good Toyota for <laughs> under 5K. No. But what about for under 10? What would you recommend? If you're going to go overlanding? Yeah. Uh, so you know, forerunners are obviously ubiquitous. Yep. Here in Colorado, uh, so I wouldn't I wouldn't get the first generation. Uh, you know, the one with the removable top that's getting a little too old. Uh, with the um, is a 22R engines in them, right? Those were much sought after, but now we're getting just a little too old. Uh, so we had one, Tommy, when you were a little guy. You yep. know that. We had the uh, third generation. The third generation. Uh, and that one uh, is gettable because they go forever, right? So once they go about 200,000 miles, they get pretty affordable and they still have life left in them. So I get a third gen. Uh, if you can find one, uh, I think they came with a rear locker. You can actually get it with a rear locker, get the rear locker. Uh, the problem with those is the uh, bumpers uh, rusted out. They had these like steel well, bumpers they had a few and every, issues, every yeah. single one of them rusted out. Uh, but those are uh, really good uh, and, you know, they're a little thirsty, uh, but very reliable. So the secret about the third gen 4Runner is that you can't get one cheap anymore. Really? They all went Yeah, they, they really exploded in value. So I think what you're going to be looking at now is a fourth gen 4Runner, which was not much loved when it was new, but now was actually a super good value. Uh, the fourth gen 4Runner even had the option for a V8 which are very expensive. Uh, but if you don't want to spend the money for the V8, the 6 is a good choice. Uh, very good off-road. They did have the frame rust issues, so you got to look out for the frame rust. But you can pick up one of those, a pretty good one for under 10K. That's so for sure. The, the Maybe not under 5. The problem is, you know, my, my cruising through the last couple of years through Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace is going to show that all of those are going to be just basket cases that have been used and 
really driven, right? You, you will find it almost impossible to find a low mileage forerunner. Those were vehicles that in their first life, what happened was people bought them and they used as family haulers, right? Like we did, like when you were the guy. Uh, and that's probably up to 100, 150,000 miles. And then in their second life, they were bought by like high school kids or uh, a second automobiles and were used hard. Uh, so they all have just crazy amounts of mileage on them. That's the bad news. The good news is they're built to take that. Uh, so they will survive a long time. Uh, but, you know, they're going to be well-worn. Yeah, I mean, I think for 9K, you can probably get a pretty good one. And, of course, uh, everyone in the comment section can be like, well, I bought one for two grand of course, yeah, 8,000 miles, and it's yeah, perfect. Of course you did, but yeah, yeah. for the 99.9% for the of us, it's going to be, like, closer to 10 for a really good one. So what about the Land Cruiser? Now, the Land Cruiser is almost impossible to get in good condition for under 10K. If you're going to be getting one, it's probably going to be called the 100 series because the 80 series, the one with solid axles, are now very sought after. And then older than that I are would, collectibles. So we just did a basically podcast. Well, we did a show, me and Nathan, about the Land Cruiser. Uh, that'll be over on TFL Off-Road if, if it's not already. Uh, so you're not going to find one for under 10K, period. Yeah, you can find a 200. It's going to be high mileage for sure. But you could get a, a uh, sorry, series? 100. Clarify, you can get a 100 for under 10K. It's doable. It's not necessarily easy, but it is doable. It's going to have like literally 400,000 miles on it. That's half-life. That's definitely half-life for a 100 series. And it's going to have all kinds of issues that are going to need fixing. Those things have gone through the roof. Right, but they have the uh, legendary 4.7 V8, yep. which is arguably the best Toyota engine of all time. Yep. It's got the timing belt. But, these thing, are, but it's not a budget vehicle, just like the FJ. That's another one that's not going to be anywhere near 10K. And if you I find think, one... I think you could get an early 100 series so, for so 10K. Here's the rule, Tommy, all right? Buy the best vehicle. This is so important, so important. Buy the best vehicle that you can afford and not the least expensive vehicle that you're stretching to. Because inevitably, and this has always been the case with me, and I think it's just true, if you buy the cheapest Land Cruiser, you're going to be spending a lot more money than if you bought the best one you could afford because it's going to have so many issues and it's going to be expensive. Because mechanics know, there's something that mechanics know is that, hey, if you bring in an old Cherokee, right, they'll be like, oh, these guys got no money. I'm going to be nice to them and, and, you know, charge them decent prices. If you bring in a Land Cruiser, you know, you're looking at, like, Porsche pricing on, on any work done to it. You are, really. But no, no one's going to give you a break on a Land Cruiser. Hear me out, though. Yeah. If you're buying a used German car, buy the best one you can afford. If you're buying a Land Cruiser, does it really matter? Because they go forever? They, they're not, they don't go forever. They go forever. No, no. They, yep, they no, go forever. It, 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 the same Indestructible. Rules, they, the same rules apply. People, you know, it depends, you know, how they've been taken care of, how they've been used, you know, you know, engines. No, nope. <laughs> it's like buying an anvil. They just won't wear out. Yeah, no. One with 400,000. Dude, have you seen a used anvil? They wear out. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of being facetious. We've seen some really bad 100 series Land Cruisers when you're shopping for ours. All right, so let's let's keep going. We're done with Toyota, I think. I don't think there's anything else in the Toyota. I mean, there's a Tacoma. RAV4. Old, old Tacomas are, are, we just bought one, uh, and we did it up. We bought the cheapest one we could find. And we, once again, Tommy, the cheapest one we could find, and we had to basically replace the engine. It wasn't the cheapest one we could find. It was, it was the, the best one we thought we could find. Yeah, and, and guess what? Price. We had to replace the engine, basically. We didn't replace the engine. We just had to replace the, it the, cost the top part. It cost $3,500 to yeah. fix. Yeah. That's okay. Um, you they know, we bought it. the best one that we could afford that we thought was decent value, and it kind of bit us in the butt. But, but you said they go forever. It's like an anvil. They do go forever. 
Yeah, this one would have gone forever. It, it was, just made it was, a funny tick. It, it was, was seven fine. and a half thousand dollars. It was fine. It yeah. just had a little bit of a little bit of a vibration. So, so I think Tacomas are through the roof. No matter what generation, people love their old Tacomas. You can find them under 10k, but then you're going to be looking at once again over 150,000 miles and engine replacements and you know things break, or worse yet, how about frame replacements? Right, that our generation of Tacoma had a frame issue. That's true, yeah. I mean, he's, that, that he's is really an issue with your shoes there. Blaze is really going at your shoes. I know, but he's either going to chew the table or he's going to chew my shoe. And All this right. is a Harbor Freight table. I don't know what kind of chemicals they put in Let's this Let's see if we so. bought the best table we could afford for our set. All right, let's keep, let's keep, let's get out of Toyota's. All right, let's uh, talk about... Uh, RAV4s aren't going to work. What about um, uh, Toyota's you shouldn't buy? Look, look, I, I think, I think, look, uh, can we agree on this at least? What? That if you're going to buy one of these, they have to have a low range. Yes, I do agree. If you want to do even any kind of, I would say, mild off-roading, and there are people that will disagree. Overlanding. Overlanding. <laughs> You're going to want to lower range. Because, like, when you ever you go out and explore, it's never linear. Because you think like, oh, it's a dirt road, and then oh, look, it's got a little bit rocky, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my god, I'm way over my head, and now I, I'm just burning up my transmission. Yep. That's how it always ends up going. Yep. Um, unless, uh, yeah. So I think you definitely want a, a low range. That pretty much eliminates most Subarus. Although the early ones were pretty darn the good. The early ones had low ranges. Yeah, and even like a Forester, the first generation Foresters are pretty pretty solid. Yeah, you know. Um, I would, if I could be so bold, and uh, you probably see this coming a mile away, I would avoid any vehicle with a CVT. Period. It's yep. just it just sucks off road. Sorry, you know. If, I know there are a lot of Subaru fans out there who lift their Subarus and you know who drive up Everest and 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 you know Instagram it, but I disagree. I've you know driven a lot of Subarus, uh, pretty much every Subaru in the last ten years, uh, and I've driven a lot of you know pretty much every vehicle there is. I don't want to. I don't want to make this braggy, but anyway. Yeah, but you're missing a lot of the really cool ones that people like. Though, avoid then. a CVT. They're just they're just not good off-road unless they're in a side-by-side -side or a snowmobile. Uh, and, and, you know, we did a lot of thinking about this. So why does a Subaru with a CVT just suck off-road, whereas, like, a side-by-side -side or an ATV or a, or a sled with a CVT doesn't suck? How, co how come those two dichotomies exist? Power-to-weight thing, maybe? I think it's because a CVT... Um, in like a sled or a side-by-side, -side, you're never at that kind of solid state where you're running at the same speed, right? You're always like slowing down, speeding up, slowing down, you know what I mean? But you're mm -hmm. never at like, like, like at one central throttle, which is the way that you drive most vehicles when you're overlanding, right? And that's when the, that's when the um, CVT really becomes buzzy and painful. And the other thing we found is for some reason, uh, like the power to weight thing means that you know, in a side-by-side, -side, if you bust the belt on a, on a CVT, right? Which it's, is pretty regular. Which is pretty regular. It's pretty easy to replace. Right. Right? You actually carry a spare one. You will not replace the belt in a Subaru if you bust it. That's true. But I think the real issue is not that it's buzzy and loud. It's that they don't put the power down well at low speeds. Uh, they just aren't able to translate the engine torque to wheel motion when you're trying to crawl up a rocky surface. Yeah, and what we found happens in the modern ones uh, is that the Subaru... Um, brain will protect the CVT so that we've been in situations where you can floor the vehicle, it's usually loose sand or loose dirt, uh, and the tires won't spin because the brain will say, or the computer in the car will say, this will burn out or somehow damage the CVT so we will not allow the power. And, and, and yes, that includes X mode or double X mode or quadruple X mode. It's all pretty much the same, right? That's just electronics. Uh, and that's another thing we should talk about, Tommy. 
uh, the difference kind of between old school and new school. And it's not a simple case. You would think like old school is good and new school is bad or vice versa. And what I mean by that is like old school, think of like an old 1960s scout, right? Mm -hmm. The way you went off-road was it had a lot of ground clearance. It had... Um, you know, a low-speed transfer case. It might have, may have had, like, like a Jeep, good approach and departure angles, and, you know, very straightforward stuff that was all mechanical. New school would be like Land Rover, where they've taken uh, electronics and basically replicated all that using electronics and wheel sensors so that, for instance, when one wheel's in the air and it's spinning, you route power to the one that's not in the air and give it traction. And that's what electronic is. Uh, but Land Rover has done a really good job with that, right? They pioneered it. And now a lot of new vehicles have all that. Well, a lot of new vehicles claim they have all that. Most of the time it's just... I, there's a lot of marketing with terrain responses. Whenever you see like a new crossover with an off-road mode, from my experience, like 90% of the time, it does almost nothing. Maybe it projects some mountains on the screen and <laughs> you feel better, but it doesn't really do much. It might lock down the traction control a little bit so you get better torque management, but for the most part, not a lot of improvement when you go into off-road modes. But I will say, last thing about Subaru, the old ones, like first generation Foresters, like the older Outbacks, the real automatic, they're not great off-road, but they're better than most people would think they are. As soon as you get to the new ones with the CVTs, like you said, just run away. So let's talk about um, the newest uh, Land Rovers, because that's an interesting one. What Land Rovers can you get for five to $10,000 that you'd recommend, and which ones should uh, you stay away from? 2006 to 2009 LR3. And what else? That's it. <laughs> what do you mean? Those things are incredible. They're between five and 10,000 all day long. Uh, they have everything you'd want for overlanding. Uh, they're beautiful in terms of styling. They're incredibly capable. We had one, right? Yeah. Uh, they're incredibly roomy. Uh, they've got uh, pretty much everything you'd want, which is the most important thing, reliability. So if you want to go overlanding 2006 to 2009 LR3, that's what you take. So that was like the Ford era, super comfortable, really big, very good off-road, had a lot of tech, but all, all that tech worked. I agree, I think that's a great one. Um, avoid. Um, anything else. <laughs> no, not anything <laughs> if you're going to go for true overlanding, I would avoid anything else. Dis Discovery 2. Look, look, Discovery 2 is going to have head gasket issues. They, right. they all do. You're going to blow a head gasket. But it? you can replace those and make them more reliable. They're also going to have suspension failure. They, no, most of them were steel springs. If they have them in steel spring, the air suspension will fail. They, they didn't have air suspension. They only had rear air suspension on some models. The ones that you're thinking the of... The Three Amigos? Yes, that happens. That, yeah, your ABS, just, your, your, your traction control. That's okay. You that, just that will put also your foot fail. into it. You'll be fine. Uh-huh. Uh, I would say the Discovery 1s are pretty good. So you, you can get a pretty good Discovery also 1. Also had gasket issues. Here's the story with the Discovery 1s and 2s. They used what's called the old Rover V8, which is an all-aluminum V8 that Buick developed in the early 60s. And they were using it all the way up through 2004. And uh, basically, it just got bigger and bigger. So it went from like a 3.5 to a 3.9 to a 4.0 and then a 4.6. And the cylinder walls got smaller and smaller. Uh, and then quality went down over as the moldings got old. And then they started blowing through head gaskets and then slipped cylinder liners. But that was all, a lot of that happened in like the late 90s, early 2000s. The Discovery 1s, they used an older version of that engine, which were better, they had less head gasket issues, less electronics. So Discovery 1s can be made to be pretty darn good. Discovery 2s, more problematic. 1s you should definitely avoid. The first generation full-size Range Rover under BMW. The uh, L322, so I, like... I'd avoid the Range Rover Classic as well. 0304? No! Yeah, I'd avoid that. Range Rover Classics are brilliant. Range Rover Classic. What are you talking about? Everything will, will 
will break on it. I mean, everything. They're brilliant. They rust. Well, the last ones had air suspensions. Everything will break they on it. They're aluminum. And they will cost you, they will cost you, no, the frame and other things will rust on it. It will cost you an arm and a leg to repeat. No. But you'll love it, but you'll spend your whole life. Uh, that like, is bad advice. Like fixing it and running around. It's you true. will be the coolest person out on that when trail. It runs. When it runs, you will be the coolest person on the trail, and you will be much beloved by your Range Rover dealership or mechanic. I will agree with you. The one that came after the Classic, do you remember the P38? Yeah, it was horrible. That thing, thing was kind of a garbage fire. Um, it was, the Classics are expensive, too. They're not on our list. They are expensive, they're, yeah. They're, they're not they're on they're our list for a reason. Yeah. Um, uh, other ones that aren't very good, Freelanders. Yeah. Not very good. Well, no low range. No low range, and also they have bad engines and transmissions and everything. Um, the D Discovery 4s are too expensive. I mean, look, dude, there's a reason that why, while these cars, let's, let's talk about like the classics, right? Uh, or even, not just the classics, but even like, Lazy's <laughs> now eating the set again. <laughs> <laughs> like like you know the, uh, the the Range Rover Sport, the, you know all those vehicles that cost over hundred thousand or close to hundred thousand new are now gettable at under ten k. There's a reason for that, and the reason for that is you would be tempted to get yourself one because they're beautiful, they're sexy, they're capable, but um, you will be underwater in them so quickly that, that, that the amount of money you paid for it will be uh, less than the amount of money you will have to put into it to actually keep it running. Yeah, Any but, of those. But you will be so comfortable when it runs. When it runs, you, you will love it. You will, you you will, will love just it. love it. You will yes, love it. I and agree. your mechanic will love you. All right, should we keep going? Yes. So what about our friends over at Nissan? Because they've had a few Xterra, dude, ones. if you can get one. Those are those are some of the early ones you can get under 5K. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Xterra is a, is a great choice. Why? Nissan pulled the plug on it. I don't know. Super reliable. It's got that cool stadium seating, so that if you're in the back, you can actually see out the vehicle. Yeah, they're great. I think they even did a supercharged one. They did a the supercharged one, yeah. The second gens, um, which is basically the current frontier, for being honest. Yeah. Uh, with some changes, obviously, but uh, that's a really good one. I think those are starting to get underneath 5K. Uh, the really cool exteriors are the Pro 4X ones, like the last right. ones. Those will probably still be more in, expensive. In case you're wondering, we don't get the patrol here, so. You know, yeah, no patrol in the U.S. Unfortunately. Yeah. How about this one? Yeah. This is an interesting one. Pathfinder. Uh, yeah, the Pathfinder is very simple. Uh, I, I'm always confused. There are five generations of it now. The newest one was just announced this year. And I think the first one was body on frame, then it went to unibody, then it went to body on frame, then it went to unibody, and now the fifth generation is unibody. I mean, his body is unibody as well. So get the first or third generations. Those are proper off-roaders. Yep. The second, fourth, and the newest one are, you know, people call them mall finders. I wouldn't be that cruel, but you know, um, they're not trucks. And trucks are really good off-road. So get the trucky ones and avoid the non-trucky ones. So the third gen would be the one I would go for. Mm. That's basically a Frontier. Yeah, right. That's the one Nathan has, and he loves it. It's a great, yeah. great vehicle. Kind of heavy and you know a little bit cumbersome out in the trail. And, and, and you know, I mean, the thing about the Pathfinder is the Xterra took all the off-road spotlight. So you know, it's been around a long time, and, and for some unbeknownst reason to me, instead of making it more off-roady, Nissan cut the Pathfinder um, uh, and made it more on-road worthy. Uh, and then they got rid of the Xterra. And so it's kind of, you kind of throw your hands up with Nissan and you're like, eh, may, maybe the, maybe an, an old Titan, that, that uh, first gen Titan, if you can get for under 10K, those are pretty darn good if you want to use a truck. Um, yeah. And, the, and maybe, like I said, Frontiers, they hold their value, dude. Not You could probably find a lot of 10K, but once again, it's going to have a lot of miles. Frontiers you can get. Yeah. Uh, status update Blaze is now chewing on my stool. Okay. Yeah, why Why are you so chewy today? What's yeah, going on? Chewy dog. All right, let's keep, let's keep going. Chewy. All right, so uh, I think that pretty much sums up Nissan. Right. So another um, manufacturer, what about Mitsubishi? 
Yeah, yeah. Mitsubishi had an incredible off-road heritage. I mean, you know, they were in the Dakar, right? Um, and they built a whole bunch of um, really good off-roaders. Um, and uh, the problem with Mitsubishi is they're certainly affordable, right? You, you can get a Mitsubishi um, Montero. Montero. Uh, for under $5,000. Uh, we actually looked at one recently, remember? Yeah, we did. Well, that was a Trooper. Oh, no, that was, that was a Suzu Trooper, which yeah. is another brand that's very similar. Uh, but, but you know, there just isn't a lot of aftermarket support for these guys. Right, because, it's harder It's harder to find yeah. the parts. So you can the... find a Montero relatively cheaply, uh, and it's got all the off-road goodies, you know, skid plates, low range, uh, but good luck finding parts for it. And the, the first generations were my favorite, but they rusted like crazy. They rusted like Second crazy. Second generations were kind of boring. Third generations, I think, looked really cool. Um, I, they were a little bit more complicated, and I think that was the last one we got in the States, and then the fourth generation, which get. they still build, I want to say, in some parts of the world. Never made it stateside, unfortunately. So and then the Suzu with the Trooper, that would be another yeah, one. The Trooper's very good too. Those are really cheap. You can get those for nothing. Or the Via Cross. Yeah, and I think certain Monteros had like head gasket issues. There, there actually is a pretty Via Crosses aren't very good though. But there's a pretty large community because they're badass looking, especially but the Iron Man version. The issue is when you're going long distances off road, you want room to put stuff. Right, it's not big. And the the weird blobby thing is it, not. Well, a it great. looks like it looks like a shark, right? It's got those little teeth. Yeah. What about the Honda Passport, the old one? Uh, no low range. I think they did. I think the first ones did. Oh, the ones that were uh, shared with uh, Suzu. Those Isuzu. were Suzu. Yeah, yeah, those were thing. those were rebatched to Suzus. Once again, no aftermarket support, but did cheap. Yeah. yeah, very cheap and, yeah. and pretty reliable. And, yeah, did you know those were built in um, Indiana? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. That. Yeah. Okay, so here's one that's controversial. Right. And you're going to definitely say buy it, and I'm going to say definitely avoid it. Okay. Because I think I don't want people to go out and buy these and get get real stuck. But Touregs. Oh gosh. Um, yeah, so the first generation Touareg as well as the first generation Cayenne. Yep. Uh, proper low range, uh, lockable rear diff, uh, air suspension. We have the first gen. It's a beast off-road. Only thing that's missing is, uh, of course, the uh, skid plate. Yes. It have skid plates. And it's, 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 you know, you can get them in everything including a diesel so if you do want to turn it into an overlanding rig uh, it, it has a lot of payload it does it has a lot of room it can it very can, comfy very comfy it can haul you know tow if you want to tow a camper behind it you can get um, it with uh, they all had so the first gens all had center lockers they were they were you know they were Volkswagen's off-roading moonshot they also had optional rear lockers yes yeah uh, with with that of course comes the complexity uh, and the intricacy and if you find one that has been kept up, buy it, snap it up there, under $5,000. Ours was like, I think ours was like 4500 $4,700, right? 46, We've I got think, the V8, yeah. which was shared with an Audi, 3.2 yep. liter, I believe, right? 4.2. 4.2 liter? Yeah, it's yeah. a big V8. Anyway, the there's also a six-cylinder. Yeah. There's a, there's a first-generation has that 10-cylinder diesel, which are uh, more expensive and extremely complicated and expensive to repair. But, yeah, get one, but just make sure, do your research. Find one that's been kept up, because if it hasn't been kept up, you're going to be, once again, becoming good friends with your local Volkswagen mechanic. I will say they are extremely overbuilt, very comfortable to drive, extremely good off-road if you get the air suspension and the locker. Yeah, not much aftermarket support. That's changing quickly, though. There's a bunch of companies... Yeah, you're proud of that. You think there's a bunch of companies doing skid plates now? No, there are. Well, like, there's, there's like one Joe company. in his backyard. No, it's a real company, and they've got a... So it's called Eurowise. I was looking into them, and they're apparently really good skid plates. But a whole set for a Touareg is like three thousand dollars. Wow! This is everything. It's like the front, the the uh, the fuel tank, the 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 rock rail. But it's a lot of money. Uh, it's, a, it's a very expensive thing. Um, yeah, the issue with the, with the Touaregs and the Cayennes is 
I would want to off-road with a buddy all the time because when it works, it's going to be brilliant. But if it fails, it's going to be a, you're not going to be doing a trail fix on the, uh, on the, on the side of the path. But you'll be one, you know, if you go to like Moab, you'll be one of the only ones in Turag. Which yes, is, and is they cool. will keep up with pretty much everything out there, you know. Yeah. I mean, there can be really good off-road with a good set of tires. And if you're wondering why we're not talking about trucks, because that's over at TFL Truck. Yeah, that's a different trucks. podcast. Yeah, that's a different podcast. That's Andre over there, so he does all the truck stuff. So that includes um, the, um, the the Porsche as well, the yeah. Cayenne. The first the, gen. The later gen Touaregs, because I get this email a lot, right? Yeah. In the U.S., we also got the next generation. Uh, that's called the 7P internally. That came out in like 2010. Good, good cars, but they didn't have the low range here in the States. And even though people do some pretty cool stuff with them, uh, we basically had that in the Cayenne. Remember our Turbo we had? We got for twenty grand. It wasn't as good off road, and they're also more expensive. No, it wasn't happy. We, you know, we found we spent like a month trying to find the one with the locking rear diff. We found it. We drove. We flew to Idaho, picked it up, and drove it back. Uh, and then we took it off road. It was capable. It just you know some you know it's like like you can just tell some cars aren't happy, right? Yeah. <laughs> some cars eat it up. This is like hey, I want more, and some cars are like, Whoa. <laughs> I can do this, but uh, do you really want me to do it? All right. Yeah, that's true. Well, what about the Americans? So uh, Ford. Yeah. Five to ten k. What can you get that's off road worthy? Explorer. That's not a pickup truck. Explorer. You can get the Old Explorer. explorers are yeah. good. Yeah. Small aftermarket communities for yeah. the most part. It, it, I think once again more of a family hauler. But Chase had one for a while. Yeah, and then he, he was he was pretty cool. He had like a. Congrats on the baby Chase, by the way. Yeah, he had a second gen Explorer, and it, that thing went places that you wouldn't believe, even with open diffs. He had a lift kit on it. It was really good. Um, Expedition, maybe like the old ones in F one fifty. Yeah, you know the 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 diesel ones, right? Our, uh, Chris, who's over at uh, Onyx right now, has one of those. I think it's a, is it a 7.3? No, he has an excursion. Excursion, yeah. With yeah. The, yeah. Those are, you know, much sought after overlanding rigs, but you're never going to get one for $5,000 or probably ten. Update, he's chewed a uh, thing off my coat. Yeah, that's um, what he does. Yeah, he's a big chewer. That's his job. I apologize for all the interruptions here, but that's yeah. all he does is put stuff in his mouth. That's Puppy Blaze, of course, not my dad. Um, so the excursions are very expensive, too. Yes. Um, uh, Broncos are old. They're pretty old. Yeah, Bronco twos, and, and you know, and even the big Broncos, right? The OJ Broncos? Yeah, they're not great overlanders. I mean, you know, I put them kind of in that in that too cool for school category, but if you, um, you know, if you want to take it and and overland with it, it probably wouldn't be my first choice. So uh, from Chevrolet, you got the Suburban yep. and the uh, Tahoe, yep. some of the old ones. So my favorite truck in the whole world now is a 98 um, Silverado. It's brilliant. Right. Uh, those like GMT 400 trucks that were turned into SUVs. Right, now you're in Andre's territory. Yeah, those were good. They were very good, also big and heavy, but right. you can get them for super cheap. Yeah. Uh, what else has Chevrolet done? The Blazer. Those are really old and expensive. Same thing. Now. That's like the old big Bronco. And they're expensive. And, they're and expensive. the new one's not very off-roady. Yeah. Uh, what else? It's a different world, you know. The people who who, who drive those use them more for um, kind of, you know, being big, bold, and uh, brawny, and and not quite for like you know. You know, overlanding and, and you know packing in refrigerators and solar right. panels. It just feels wrong to put a solar panel on a on a Bronco. First generation Durango is kind of that same world. Yeah, where power. 
They were okay. Yeah. Um, what else is, is, is good out there? I'm sure I'm missing a ton of them. Other German manufacturers, BMW is the X5. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, they were not very good off-road. Actually, when they launched that car, Sports BMW... utility vehicle. Activity. Activity, S-A-V. Remember that? They, yeah. they specifically did not want you to take it off-road. Yeah, they were. Actually, the newest one, you can get a, uh, an off-road, off-road package on the newest one. Which is pretty funny. Yeah, they finally relented. Um, interestingly enough, first-gen MLs are okay. Yeah, we've had that. Uh, they're a little fragile. They're not fragile. They're just they not very fragile. well made. Yeah, they're not. They, they're they just break. Kind of, Ours broke a lot. Yeah, they just are not. They're just thrown Certainly together. Certainly under 5K. But very cheap, yeah. yeah but the engines are good. I think the engines are good. The transmissions yeah. are good. Yeah, we exploded our low range. Oh, yeah, well, the transfer case just yeah. grenaded itself yeah, going exactly. up the hill. And it wasn't even that hard. Funny enough, the, the first generation GL, the really big one, yeah. the three row, do you remember you went on the launch yeah, of that? Yeah, you're not going to get that under 10. Yeah, you might. Mm-hmm. First gen GL with an off-road group, very, very, very once, rare. Once again, look, I would keep away from all the premium manufacturers because, like you know, uh, you can a G wagon has three lockable diffs and everything you want, but you're not going to get it for under 25k, and you're not going to get it fixed for under that same amount. Yeah. So I would just stay away from all the premium German manufacturers. We're missing a big one, which is the Lexus GX. Yes, the GX. So like a 10 year old GX now. Uh, which it's is going to be which about is, which is the Prado, I believe, in the rest of the world. Yeah. So I was looking at prices. They're 10, like around ten. They're around ninety thousand dollars now. Yeah, but the old ones, like the no new now used, they're like ninety to hundred thousand. Have you seen what people are asking for them now? They blew Not 90 up. To 100, they're like about five hundred to eight hundred thousand dollars for a decent <laughs> one. I don't know what the hell happened. I checked like last week, you could get one for like nine grand. I checked this week, the cheapest one, eighteen grand. What? Why? What's the What's the point? Maybe you go for the LX, which is a Lexus version of the Land Cruiser. Yeah, also expensive. That's more reasonable. Yeah. But for some reason, there was something called the GXOR, which is like GX Off-Road. Yeah. And then people thought they were discovering something by taking the GX Off-Road. And then everybody had to have one. And now they're fudging expensive. Even like a really old one with high mileage brings big money. A lot of aftermarket support for them. They're great cars, but they're expensive. Look, let, let, let's, be, let's be honest. Um, I mean, if you're looking for a budget... Overlander instead of an off-roader, right? You're probably going to end up spending as much on all the gear and stuff that you're going to need for real overlanding. Now we're talking about like overland journal style overlanding, right? Stuff that we don't usually do. Uh, but when you know, we kind of took our baby Yoda and we did it on the cheap, right? We we put in some storage, we put in a bed in the back, we put in a cover on the top. But you know, if you're like Matt over at Overland Journal and Scott, right, who also do a really good podcast, so check them out, the Overland Journal podcast. Now you're talking about like, um, you know, showers and solar power and uh, refrigerators and basically all the comforts of home uh, in a vehicle. So then because it's, you know, these people ideally drive around the world, you're talking about very, like Matt on his Gladiator has king suspension, right? That's the top of the line stuff, right? Yeah. So so, so, so you're looking at, you know, the most expensive suspension, you're looking at the most expensive Control you did to control all that's electronics, right? That, right. That, right. That you know the solar power, yeah, you, got, you, got, you got lights, you got the winches, you got the underbody protection, you got the aftermarket lockers. I mean, you could put easily fifty grand. So, in so, so to be fair, if you're really you know like living out of your vehicle and doing that kind of overlanding, you're going to want a lot of the comforts of home, and the vehicle is going to be the cheapest part of it. So now, now time for crunch time. Okay. Of all the cars we talked about, or SUVs really. What would be your choice for five to ten thousand dollars? Two thousand and six to two thousand nine LR three. 
Okay. Most, most comfortable. That's your advice to the the people is to buy a 15-year-old Land Rover? That would be the one I would buy. It's, it's by far the most, you know, for me, I'm getting old. I want it to be comfortable. Look, that it's reliable as Land Rover. Well, they're pretty good, actually. Most people can get easily 200000 out it's, of them. It's, it's everything you want. They are know? pretty solid. Low range, comfortable, big. Uh, reliable, uh, and you could probably get parts for it because you know Land Rover sells vehicles around the world, uh, and uh, it's affordable. And people haven't figured out that those are the ones because you know the other ones they didn't just make them 2006 2009, right? That model ran longer, but it was those three years that had the magic. I think they built them from like 05 to 09 or 2010, something like yeah, that. Something. Those are the three years you want. I think that for my choice, mm. I would go for. I would probably go for either the fourth generation Forerunner. Right. Very good and underrated. Yeah. But I think on a budget, I would go for the Grand Cherokee WJ. Okay. That would be my choice because they're dirt cheap. You can get them with the four liter straight six, super comfortable, easy to get parts for, and cheap to fix. Uh, and they have solid axles, so that would be my go. Yeah, there you go, guys. I, I think we probably missed some. Uh, but, uh, you know, let us know in the comments below uh, what you would consider or what you have uh, and what your experiences with that vehicle have been. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll happily read those comments and learn from you guys. Yeah, and uh, stay tuned. Maybe we'll do the flip side of this, which are like the budget overland trucks with Andre at the TFL Talking Trucks podcast. Thanks for watching. Remember, check out TFL Off-Road mm -hmm. um, for more videos that actually feature a lot of these. Yeah, for sure. We'll see you next time. Ciao. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.